0: What did you guys think generally of the narrating character himself? Because his, his name was Antoine, and I don't remember his last name. But um, so these are the, all
1: French names, so let's just yeah, we'll do. We'll just do our best to kind of like avoid names. Oh, specifically, so, you know, <laughs> true, true. I, I, I can't pronounce
0: no. the narrator in any me. of
1: the road names.
0: I I should so. say I should say so we're so we're talking about the first section um, of generally speaking the first third to first fourth in Giffen's <laughs> part of John Paul uh nausea. Um, I, Adam and I have the uh, translation by translation by Lloyd Alexander and Giffen your translation is by Robert Baldick <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jordan, you're certain that you didn't have a third version of that one available, correct? I, I know nothing about Mr.
1: Baldick's translation skills. Brutal last name. <laughs> I'm sure middle this guy school lucky was lucky to
2: be where he was.
1: In life. I, I'm sure middle school was not an easy time for him. Oh my goodness! Wow. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It, it took him on a path to nausea at the
0: very least. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> so, and, and it, to be honest, I had actually forgotten from time to time how recently this was written. Because um, Sartre Sart, Say Sartre. Sartre. Uh, Say Sartre. 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 It is, is it two
1: syllables? It, I'm, I'm on fat. I looked up In the multiple fr- pronunciations it, and everybody said Sartre. In
0: apparently the French is like Sartre. It's not. It's two well. Sil- I, I think it's two syllables. Up. The, they, the yeah, French just okay. don't
1: like emphasizing. Okay,
2: Sartre. Syllables. Sartre. We'll
0: do yeah, Sartre. I, no, I listen
1: to multiple French pronunciations of it just to make sure on that one.
0: So th- this was actually originally published in 1938, which is kind of recent compared to, wow. obviously, the Notes from Underground. Um, and it also, I mean, it, a lot of the <laughs> it's funny like a lot of the <laughs> situations or scenes that he kind of you know drolly talks about could really be anywhere from like the 1950s all the way back to like the 1850s you know it, it all kind yeah. of fits yeah because yeah. Yeah. he's writing in France also which was a bit more of a kind of you know romantic city even in the 1930s um,
2: well romantic country maybe but
0: the city he's in is not Paris. Yes, it's yes. like some.
2: I think it's a fictionalized version of some real town, but um, it's not, not sh- like. Do they ever say?
0: No, I Bouville I I, 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 I is the
2: name of the town, or yeah, it, or I, I, think,
1: I think it's definitely fictionalized because, like, I looked Ooh. up like that one. Uh, I, I forget the exact boulevard's name, but it's the one that ends in Noir. It Might okay. be like Victor Noir or something like that, which is like the boulevard that he you know kind of find solace in at least Ooh. um and i've looked that one up and it's it's definitely a fake road right okay so like okay. but it was based on like a real road yes so, so which makes me think it that lends creed mr giffen's idea that it's not a real town that he's kind of describing here
0: yeah yeah so, definitely yeah
2: it's i think it's well at the time it was probably meant to be like you know a typical french you know town so mm-hmm. like You could map onto that kind of, well, if you were familiar with it, at least I'm not quite, but, um, you know, it doesn't need to be super specific with the locations.
0: What did you guys think of the main character in general? Very interesting psychology. Um,
2: (laughs) I I, I definitely didn't find myself um, relating to him as much as I did with um Dostoevsky's underground, underground Man. Yeah.
0: I agree. And I don't know.
2: I also I don't know if that's the intention also. I'm like I, I was that, that might be by this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like with with um the underground man you can kind of like read it and like see parts yourself and like kind of like laugh but also like you know a little bit of a gut punch. Um and it all like but it all like seems to like um hmm. map onto something. Um for this it's like this guy is like living in some sort of like self propagated dystopia nearly like it's it definitely does not read the same this is not like simply an underground man in the next century
1: i i will say this though i don't know if you guys felt the same way but kind of like immersing yourself in this book for a prolonged period of time once you exit the book i noticed that i begin to sort of like adopt some of the behavior of the character i actually more, agree you know yes. what i mean where really? it's just like i, yes. I do like that general like (laughs) dissociation that he has where it's a lot of observation and I think, you know, a lot. I mean, we can kind of begin to incorporate just his psychology here, but I, my interpretation of this was that he views the world as happening to him, Mm. but he's not the one actually like making things happen. He's not the one, you know, he's not like the impetus for Mm. the narrative that he wishes his life to be. Yes. Right. Like he, things happen to him, and he seems to be almost like a passive observer. Um, but yeah, like whenever after like reading him for like you know, or, or reading like Sartre for like a few hours, like you come you come out of it, you almost like adopt some of like the psychology of uh, of Antoine at least for a time, you know. And I mean, like at least like I don't know, conversation yeah. felt weird.
0: Mm.
2: Um, I don't know. I don't know if you I've, guys felt the same. I kind of read it. Well, first of all, I read less because of page <laughs> number discrepancies. Um, but also, I kind of like was reading it in the evenings, just like a little bit at a
0: time. So I didn't get into that like groove. So that's also interesting. See, I read 70 pages this morning. So I emerged <laughs> from that like in a very kind of dizzying state almost. Mm. Yeah. It, it was yeah. very... It was just extremely... I felt I felt like, you know, how, like, I, I felt almost like I had spun around with like a blindfold on and then it was removed. And I had to kind of like navigate an obstacle course in a lot of ways. Well, <laughs> it seems like I'll be doing some catching up, so I'll be able to uh, cite some experience next time. <laughs> I, 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 I'll echo your point, though, Giffen, about I related to the underground man. And I don't know what this says about me specifically, but like I related <laughs> to the underground man more so than I related to Antoine. Yeah, like it was hyperbolic
2: with the underground man, but like it was like easily identifiable aspects of yourself with this. Like it was very hard, like the version that I could relate to is almost indistinguishable from what he describes with himself. You know, like I can imagine sometimes where you're kind of like feeling like tired or something like that's like probably the most common version, you know, where he's like, you know, you might experience some dissociation, but he experiences like something wild. Um, I don't know if we want to go through the narrative um, I, well, in well, order well, and go to examples or.
1: I, I kind of want to touch on some, before we go into like the wildness of it, why don't we touch on some things that like at least like resonated heavy. a bit with us. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I'll mention some things like that resonated with me. Like for me, like I, when he talks about experiences that he's had abroad and how he has certain memories that he's replayed so many times that details begin to fade as a result, and that he touches upon certain memories less because every time the memories kind of like called upon yeah it becomes distorted you wear somewhere.
2: it out he's I you mean you wear he's, it out. the phrasing yeah and I
1: don't know if you guys have experienced that yourself but like I've definitely experienced that tons and times where it's just like <laughs> I, I and like I've done this before I believe that. like I, I pull upon memories less because I feel like the act of retelling the memory almost distorts it yeah. like and like the point is like it's almost like I don't know, like where memories I've had seemed clearest the first time of retelling, but the act of retelling has now muddled the memory. I don't know if you guys have had that too. I
0: completely agree. Like I'm thinking about, there were instances in college where like something crazy or really funny happened to me, right? And then like you would would meet up with sort of different aspects of the friend group or whatever. And they'd be like, like, dude, we heard about this, like tell it or whatever. And the first couple of times I would be telling the story and I would also be kind of like witnessing the story myself as I told it. But like the more and more you tell it, you almost, you're almost like, I lost the ability to relive it. And it was just me repeating the story. Yes. Like I lost just the words. Yes. Yes. The, yes. 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 So I, I very much related to that too.
2: See, yeah. I wasn't sure. Cause what my intuition would have been is that like, well, I guess two things. One is that like kind of over time, naturally like the details get less fuzzy. Whereas like, I wasn't sure if I related to like the actual aspect of telling it that actually like wears it out. Mm. Um, You know what I mean? Like that, that seems like hard to distinguish, or at least it wasn't immediately um, distinguishable for me. Um, But in terms of like, whenever you're retelling it, it does seem like intuitive that you kind of like, if you're adding something to it from the present, like to this like past memory, it makes sense that like, in the future, you might like be pulling towards like your memories of the telling, which would be like kind of more word oriented. I don't mm-hmm. know, so I guess I like I I think it's relatable, but not as much for me. Um, I just
1: like the, like there were so many aspects to it, like where it was like I don't know, like the idea that like like when a memory like first hits me, it's like there are a lot of very clear aspects to the memory but a lot of kind of like hazier aspects as well. But it's like one complete picture to the memory. Mm. But I feel like upon like the act of retelling it, I highlight the clearer aspects of the memory. But then as a result, I've only retained the clear aspects. So mm. it's like, mm. it's almost like the periphery details that I myself you know, it was, like, part of the larger memory. It's, like, those are now almost excised from the memory. I don't know. Does by that, telling, that rest, it. That by is interesting telling you, it. By yeah. telling yeah. it.
2: Because Yeah, so, that I, that is interesting. Um, the more you s- describe it, I think it makes a little bit more sense. I probably have experienced that. But, well, you
1: have to, like, think of, like, stories you've told and just, like, how now after telling the stories, like, there are, like, the key plot points but... Like I don't know, I don't oh, know. Like I
2: remember the change, like over time, especially the experience. But it's like the it, it. It's hard to isolate whether it was the retelling itself which did that versus like over time. Hmm. Um, that's something I'll have to probably be observant about, like in the future, because honestly, that's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but for me,
0: I, Jordan, I don't know if you had another thing to say about the memory aspect. Well, I, I was gonna say like, given your question, makes total sense, but it's almost like impossible for me to answer because I don't know about you guys, but. I actually find myself thinking about the past or thinking about memories when I'm by myself, like not telling them to someone very, very, very infrequently. Like I really, Really? yes, I'm like extremely present and future oriented in like what I think about to a like kind of weird degree, actually.
1: I am absorbed in memories.
0: I think I'm less so.
1: Yeah, um, alongside
2: <laughs> like alongside Jordan here, you just don't have any to be absorbed in. <laughs> I do have them. I just never never poke at them, <laughs> which, which is kind of disturbing that I don't have like these pure memories because they've never been tainted by my retelling. No,
1: like I, I honestly like like this that part of the book like resonated so strongly with me to the point where like I've experienced this before where. I will think fondly of certain memories, but then I've realized that they're like degrading, like yeah. as I pull upon them too frequently. And I'm just like, holy mm. crap. So like I and like when I read that, I'm like, holy crap, that's the exact same experience I've had when I've like drawn upon <laughs> these these same memories because mm. like they're good memories. But
2: yeah, yeah, it's always yeah. good whenever you find an author, you can put into words something you've experienced like that
0: just putting it on
2: the page
0: let me clarify what i said a tiny bit where so i don't often like i will not bring up memories mentally myself i will oftentimes be reminded of things like i'll be in a certain place in the backyard or whatever and see just like and just like some memory of us playing like you know like the night tag game or whatever will just kind of like flash in my mind and like that happens probably just as frequently as everyone but if i'm actually just like in terms of what i'm consciously thinking about or you know just what's going on in my mental space it is i think to a weird degree present and future tense oriented
1: this is actually shocking to me so you don't you don't parse through memories like on a daily basis no. because i i i i will think of a few things and then I'll just kind of like sit down sometimes and just like think like sequentially what happened. And
2: See that I just don't like... think I do very, very infrequently. Um, like obviously, like Jordan said, like I will be reminded of things, um, but I don't think I will go and sit down and kind of just
0: parse through it. And I will often think about things from the past, but not in a, in a future memory or present oriented. Oriented. Yeah. Yes. Not in a memory oriented sense, if that makes if that makes any sense
1: okay yeah Yeah. that is completely different for me then i i I think that's why this like this section resonated so much with me because i'm like i don't know i mean it's oftentimes it almost feels like sand between your fingers
2: yes well the retelling of a
0: story i totally agree with. oh yeah yeah Yeah. i agree with there
2: yeah um yeah for my like me going through that part for the first time it was kind of like huh interesting i wonder if if that's actually like his experience or if it's just the fact that time
0: passes, you know, and then that, that was like, all I kind of put thought into it. You know, obviously I don't know where the story goes. So this could, this, this thought could change, but part of my slight antipathy towards Antoine, as opposed to my sort of begrudging, like sympathy for the <laughs> underground man yeah, was that, They both, both people deal with sort of inaction in various ways, right? The the underground man is sort of paralyzed by thinking, right? Whereas Antoine is almost like paralyzed by, he almost like envisions himself some sort of like a passenger in the car of his life, as opposed to like the person behind the wheel. And for whatever reason, like I, I was able to relate to the, cause it was like, it was almost like the underground man was clearly in the driver's seat. But he was too busy checking if his turn signals worked. And he was like, you know, worried that the brakes would fail or something. And he was just kind of like thinking about all of those things and like getting, he was like constantly always getting ready to step on the gas, but he never did. But like, but this guy, Antoine, it seemed like he was just content to be in the passenger seat in many ways. And for whatever reason, that made me almost like angry at him. I don't know. Did you guys have like anything relating to that? I wasn't quite angry at him. Um, Let me just think It's not that I like disdain the character But there were definitely There were times where there seemed To be like there seemed to be like a real Opposition between myself and him But is is that like
1: I I, I definitely sympathized a lot with Antoine To be honest like I, I I don't know. I think you're more of a man of action in a lot of ways. But...
2: <laughs> An insult coming from Dom's <laughs> I, I
1: thought that'd be a fun. Across <laughs> fun. time and space
2: insult you.
1: No, no, but, but like in a sense, it's true. Like, mm. like you are always kind of like a go, go, go personality. And yeah. like, like I've definitely found myself in a lot of situations before. Like, I don't know. Like, I, like, it, I, I think the perfect word is like dissociation. Mm. Like, in the sense where it's, like, there's, you know, almost, like, a divide between what's going on around you and, like, you as the viewer. Yes. So, and, like, I've definitely experienced that many, many, many times. I totally
0: agree. I mean, he's, mean, he's, he's locked in it. Yeah. But,
1: I mean, I definitely, there are a lot of scenes, a lot of scenes that I can relate to. So,
0: I'm trying to think right now because I have felt that to various degrees from time to time. I'm trying to think about when I've often felt that. You know, there is like... What about like in a social setting you don't like? I was literally just, I was just going to say that. I was literally instantly, my mind was drawn to several experiences in college are striking me right now where I was in that stage where I was like, very I I only had like a you know because when you're drunk it doesn't really count because you're just that that feeling is not really almost allowed to emerge when you're drunk but like if if you're like a beer in or something and you just don't want to be there there have been times when I've been like at a bar or at a party or something where it literally seemed like I was a video game character like I was in a world that I was actually not in some deeper sense a part of Hmm. and I was almost like it was almost like (laughs) it was almost like sort of just like you know like the world was just this like slippery illusion that was just this like it was almost like two dimensional in a way
1: Hmm. yeah I think even video game character goes too far I mean like it's almost like you're watching like a TV show or like a movie in a sense where it's just like but it's not nearly as interesting. Yeah. I mean, it can be, but a lot of the time it's just like you're watching <laughs> life happen.
0: So. Have you had those moments where people, like the dialogue mm. almost seems scripted in like a very yes. strange yes. way? Yes. Oh, one million percent. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I, I'm trying to think of when I've, oh, other times that I've felt the sense of dissociation. I mean, definitely at work. Like definitely a work when I feel like you can't escape and do something else. Like you can't really leave. And if you're there, you kind of have to do like the stuff that's there, but there's so little overlap between what I'm actually interested in and what I'm forced to do that there is this like very, it's, I don't know, like when you're reading something that you love, there's no you and the thing. There's just the thing. But when you're doing something that you hate sometimes, there's, like, the you and then the task, you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. No, definitely. So I, I think, I don't know. I found this character pretty relatable. Um, I don't think he's, like, sympathetic on all fronts, obviously. I mean, <laughs> sure. like, his general, like, disdain for people. Like, some, <laughs> some of it I think is, like, unfair. Like, some of it seems fair. Some of it seems unfair. Ooh. You know,
2: yeah. Some and, of it, he seems to just be cruel, which yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. underground man was as well, but
0: yeah, in slightly different ways. Different <laughs> way, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, like some of like his crueler moments would be like, definitely like his interactions with like like the self-taught man.
0: Mm.
1: Like, given you've read that section, that would be before Sunday, right? I believe so. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's it's just like i i, I kind of want to like dive into that a little bit i yeah. mean why do you think he has general disdain for the self-taught man because because it, it goes beyond like i mean like he, he mentions at one point like the guy's very loquacious mm. he has sort of like you know um bad breath that kind of stinks of both like tobacco and you know what else but the point is is that like is it chocolate might have been
2: chocolate. Okay, yeah. so I'm actually realizing, I don't think the expression self-taught man came up in my translation,
0: but I know who you're oh. talking about. This is...
2: What
1: do they call him
0: there? So he meets this guy at the library, basically, just for the listeners, yeah. who has... He, he's kind of pieced together the fact that there's this man who has read this local library, A to Z, and he's at L... And this man is planning to read through the entire like, volume of A through Z of every book in the library. And interestingly, he plans to do that sort of before he goes on any adventures. You know, he talks at length about like the things he plans to do after he's amassed the knowledge that he believes is some sort of a prerequisite to the adventure. Um, yeah, so
2: he is referred to as the autodidact. In mine, oh,
0: okay.
2: which I like the self-taught man more. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that one's clearly identifiable because I honestly mm-hmm. thought Autodidact might have just been like a kind of position in like French bureaucracy or something. <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It was unclear to me that, that that's what kind of what it was referring to. It makes sense now, but obviously, okay. but. Um. Yeah, we can discuss him.
1: Yeah, there, there's, there's, there was a moment in that, like, here obscure language in this book to not include autodidact. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is
0: that would be needless.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I was constantly googling words yes. just to be yes. able to like you know read through this. Autodidact is one step too far.
2: So,
0: <laughs> I think it is, but yeah, so let's discuss him. I'll well to circle back to Adam's question. This it's it's actually funny that you found this may be the more inscrutable part of him. Unfortunately, I this was one of the things that I related to to a larger extent. Um, not necessarily about the self-taught man, because I could actually see myself if this person existed in real life, being very interested to have a conversation with him, right? Because he seems like a very interesting guy. But I actually thought that the self-taught man, there was nothing intrinsic about him that made Antoine dislike him. It was... And I'm struggling to think about... there, There were several kind of interactions or potential interactions he would have with people where he would think to himself, like, you know, please don't engage with me. Like, I just don't have... And I mean, you know, like I'll, I'll like show my cards here. Like that is something that I related to and there's part of me that is okay with the fact that I experience obviously a lesser degree and less frequency of that. It's kind of like a competing virtues thing for me where, and like Adam, we were having a similar conversation about this um, recently, but like, I guess one thing that I struggle with and it relates to this, like the, like the the question of Antoine is. Okay. Just to put it bluntly. A lot of people don't have anything like interesting to talk about. Like the, the, like honestly, a lot of people I'm just not interested in talking to. Right. And I know that Adam, maybe more so than Giffen perhaps shares that like (laughs) feeling with me. Um, and there's a part of me that is just like very covetous of my, of my own time. Do you know what I mean? So if like someone's not interesting to talk to, or they're, they they do not have like interesting experiences, part of me is like very, very guarded against like, okay, I just kind of want to move on and do like better things. But obviously I recognize the downsides of that too, like being closed off to people whom you otherwise would have an interesting conversation or even potentially like relationship of some sort with. Right. And then there's also just sort of like the pragmatic virtues of like, you know, just being like generous or like open or kind or whatever. Friendly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think though, like it doesn't like fully answer for you though, right? Because it's like I think like your explanation works had the self-taught man had, you know, if he had nothing interesting to talk about, he does have interesting things to discuss. I, but I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with part of your answer there where it's, it's like the lack of experience, Hmm. because it seems like this character Antoine really does value experience and and not even just experience itself, but he values in people if they value experience, right? (laughs) Like that's one of the reasons that he loves Annie. Mm. is that like her respect for like the like she recognizes like powerful moments
2: mm.
1: and I, I guess Giffen actually hasn't gotten to that part there but no
2: but I'll take your word for it
1: yeah but and this is kind of a guy devoid of experience who is attempting to learn everything from books mm. um, yeah so and I mean like even Antoine questions like whether he's had it
0: you know, any true adventures in a sense. I was going to read. Yes. I was uh, so on the like It was odd. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to read mean, a little bit of that, that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, real quick, before we do that, because I, I know Adam, Adam and I have talked about this enough where I know that he very much knows what I'm talking about when I, you know, say those sorts of things. If, and how, Like how much did you, does that resonate with you? That being what I was talking about in my answer to, to Antoine's kind of like like time standoffishness. Yeah. Probably less. um, Well, I guess
2: I relate to some degree. Yeah. Probably I experience it to a less degree than you do.
0: Mm. Um, But yeah, I do experience that. So, okay. I found, uh, I found the section that I found very interesting about, because there's this whole, he, like, he calls experiences of a certain sort adventures and the self-taught man, you know, asks, um, he kind of like, he's asking him to see his postcards. You know, he's asking him about his adventures. He even explicitly says, you know, uh, it's possibly a very indiscreet question, but have you had many adventures, Monsieur? You know, he's like
1: And it's funny because like he, he leans in yeah, for that yeah, too, and, like yeah. almost like in like a seductive sense that just repulses sort of Antoine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So so Antoine answers yes. And then this is in his sort of, you know, just just internal dialogue. He goes. Even if it were true that I had never had any adventures, what difference would that make to me? First, it seems to be a pure question of words. This business at Men- Meknes, for instance, I was thinking about a little while ago. A Moroccan jumped on me and wanted to stab me with an enormous knife, but I hit him just below the temple. Then he began shouting in Arabic, and a swarm of lousy beggars came up and chased us all the way to south Atarim. Well... You can call that by any name you like. In any case, it was an event which happened to me. It is completely dark, and I can't tell whether my pipe is lit. A trolley passes, red light on the ceiling, then a heavy truck which makes the the house tremble. It must be six o'clock. I have never had adventures. Things happen to me. Events Incidents, anything you like, but no adventures. It isn't a question of words. I am beginning to understand. There is something to which I clung more than all the rest without completely realizing it. It wasn't love. Heaven forbid, not glory, not money. It was I had imagined that at certain times my life could take on a rare and precious quality. There was no need for extraordinary circumstances. All I asked for was a little precision. There is nothing brilliant about my life now, but from time to time, for example, when they play music in the cafes, I look back and tell myself, in old days, in London mechness tokyo i have known great moments i have had adventures now i am deprived of this i have suddenly learned without any apparent reason that i have been lying to myself for 10 years and naturally everything they tell me in books can happen in real life but not in the same way it is to this way of happening that i clung so tightly i don't know i found that like very strange
1: It makes sense that, like, in the context of, like, the pages we read, though, because, like, think about, ah, given didn't read this part. Please go on. But I'll I'll just go on. But so, like, on Sunday, right, like, he kind of observes people and kind of has this journey throughout the city that ends by the sea, right? Mm. And by the end of the night, in such a way that things have happened he assumes something big or momentous will happen at the end of the he night he assumes
0: someone was like waiting for him that something yes. was waiting for him to like be the crescendo to
1: yes so so his point there is that okay events have happened but there's no ultimate narrative to these events like hmm. he kind of mentions before that you know the passage that you read that you know there needs to be a certain sequence of events that one could call an adventure and that there's like a real protagonist that has to go through like these events stepwise. And he's like, things have happened to me, but there wasn't necessarily like a buildup. There was no mm. conclusion. You know, ultimately, these were just isolated events. So when he's talking about precision, he's like, let there be a narrative. Because he, I mean, oh, throughout the book, he also talks about narrativizing his life and how how important narrative is and that he's searching for that. So, so, so. in
2: my translation, instead of precision, the word they use is order. Um, that Mm. actually, I think might be. I kind of prefer that word in Mm. terms of like the conversation we're having, yeah. Yeah. Order is what he's seeking the kind of order that you get from like a written narrative that is structured in such a way as to be appealing, um, you know, if it's well written. Um, the the, the, it's almost like as if he's going around and waiting for the spirit experience that one would have if reading the book, and you kind of see the beginnings. I think there's a passage shortly after about beginnings. Mm. Um, it's like there will be a moment where you, it can dawn upon you that there is a beginning.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Cause that, that happens throughout like the book where yeah. he, he'll, he'll recognize that, okay, a certain sequence of events has just happened that I'm not now like almost like in a narrative path. And yeah. he's now waiting for that next event. And if it doesn't happen, he feels like this emptiness, like this sense of letdown, but it's yeah. like, you know, it, he'll have moments like Giffen was just saying that would lead one to think that he is almost living the life of a narrative, but mm. ultimately he keeps getting let down in that sense. Yeah. So
0: do you guys think, hmm, Do do you think that there's like an intrinsic negativity to a life that doesn't build on itself in that way? Cause like on one hand, this guy seems like he's obviously had many what people would call adventures, Do you know yeah, what I mean he's, yeah, absolutely he's, he, he even says, you know, um, on the next page, you know he, the glitter of travel, the love of women quarrels and trinkets, you know he's, he's like done things that anyone would very normally call adventures yeah, but he, it seems as though he's not satisfied because they don't there's not this. Like, literal progression to the stories. Like, he, he almost needs it to be a very simplistic, you know, how, like, in fifth grade or whatever, we would learn those, like, <laughs> the, the pyramid things, and inverse yeah, pyramid. Yeah, yeah. No, that's 100% it. Like, because
2: this, and then you're referring to, like, the next page after what we're talking about. It also talks mm-hmm. about, I was talking about the beginnings, but it also talks about the endings. And he says, like, multiple times in multiple kind of scenarios that, like, things only achieve significance through death. I don't know if they use a different um, yeah. phrasing in your book, um, but it seems like he almost experienced a disappointment upon realizing that, like, there's just kind of like this middle area. But, be- you know, um, it's like things will happen even if things do happen, like you're just kind of left with the memory of it. Like there's yeah. there's no death there, like um, in in the typical sense, like there's no grand conclusion.
0: It's just kind of like you find yourself afterwards. Because so the reason why I asked about that is because at first this struck me as like very self-pitying. I was like, okay, this guy's experienced like probably amazing things. And here he's just opining that they haven't culminated into this just magnificent apotheosis of like every, you know, like just like the meaning just like pours out of the universe and he's asking for too much there. And at first I was very kind of annoyed with him, but then I kind of, I actually reflected on a lot of the a bit of like my own sort of nausea over the past 3 years has largely been because i know many of the things i've been doing over the past 3 years are extremely non compounding like working in the engineering industry for instance is something that i hope is like non compounding do you know what i mean hmm. and i was think i was trying to project about this in the future like okay if you know, like, okay, so I'm going to Houston for the master's program, right? If you tell me at the end of the day, that's actually where your like professional philosophy journey will end. You just won't get into a grad school and thereby you won't have a career in it. I'd be extremely like, I would be very unhappy with that, but I would still do it because the experience itself is very like something that I would want to have, right? Like doing an MA in, in philosophy. And that actually made me realize I very much share his idea that like, Looking like, you know, think about this like 30 years from the future. And it's like, if that MA was kind of like the first step to a very, very rewarding career in like academic philosophy, it would actually have more meaning than if it was just this isolated chapter. So I sure. changed my mind about that. Yeah.
1: Sure. And, I, and I, think, I think there's a lot of truth to what he's talking about in the sense that like, just like the way adventures typically happen. Are, are nothing as you they're not nearly as coherent as adventures portrayed in books. Yeah. They're not as yep. well thought out as that, you know, that certain musical piece that he was listening to in the bar at the mm. beginning of the book, yeah. right. Where that ragtime like, tune. <laughs> exactly where it's like, he talks about kind of like those staccato jazz notes that, that almost be, you know, that are, um, that almost kind of build up to something bigger than that. Also builds up to, you know, the vocalist who begins to just, you know, and everything is perfect about that musical piece to him. And even by the end, he doesn't feel empty because he almost feels like he's kind of ridden this arc where by the end, there's almost a completion to it. It was well thought out, well Mm -hmm. put together. and It was like satisfying for him to like, you know, experience
2: that yeah. even in the death of it it feels like that's the natural
0: end so he's feeling okay Mm -hmm. yes exactly i i have an amazing quote that ties together what we were just talking about and then our discussion of memory too Mm, he says he says this is what i thought for the most banal even to become an adventure you must and this is enough begin to recount it This is what fools people. A man is always a teller of tales. He lives surrounded by his stories and the stories of others. He sees everything that happens to him through them. And he tries to live his own life as if he were telling a story, but you have to choose live or tell. I actually, that in in hindsight now discussing like that quote in the context of everything, I totally like that has like a whole new meaning for me there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because, well, I was going to bring this up earlier. Well, really earlier, whenever we were talking about, like, to what extent we relate to um, Antoine. Um, mm-hmm. But I, this is the part that stuck out to me the most, is whenever he kind of recognizes a certain arbitrariness. And I think this relates to the beginning and the ending and, like, his experiences and, and the idea of an adventure for him. But it's, like, the feeling of arbitrariness, I think that also can manifest whenever you're behaving as if you were trying to tell a story from it. Like, um, mm-hmm. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like you, you kind of lose. I think there's some disassociation, I guess I should say, attached to that, right? Like whenever you feel some arbitrariness, um, that I, like, I feel all the time. Um, he, there's a um, moment earlier um, where he's talking about the, auto, the, the, the self-taught man um, and he is like imagining being him and he's imagining him like getting to the end of the alphabet, right? The end of the library. And then kind of the audit, the self taught man goes and thinks to himself, well, now what? And it's kind of like in that kind of moment, you kind of realize a certain arbitrariness, like everything that has been done. Mm. And it, I think that r- relates back to like the idea of the adventure um, and the idea that you can't simultaneously live and narrate what was, whatever your quotation used, the phrasing. Yeah, live or tell. Um, yeah right yeah um I think it might have a slightly different translation but yeah um that part to me does does ring true in conclusion mm-hmm.
1: yeah and and this doesn't exactly relate to you it actually doesn't relate at all so I'm sorry but <laughs> but, <laughs> but, it just, but it just kind of struck me because you know um, the so Antoine's a little more active than I was giving him credit for. Because he, he is very passive, obviously, but at the mm. same time, like, he does place himself in situations constantly in order for a narrative to begin in the sense that think about placing himself in that on that dark street mm. where, you know, he's he's hoping for something to begin that narrative or when he, you know, walks with the masses Oh, the dark
2: street. That's, that's a great one.
1: Yeah. Or, or where he, you know, is constantly finding himself like yourself like in these bars Mm. or, you know, by the sea, he's, he's not like like a recluse, right? He's constantly putting himself in positions in order for this narrative to unfold. Yeah. Um, And he's,
2: it's like, a lot of that is internalized. Like we, cause we see inside of him, like it's a lot of like, kind of self-loathing, but he does do things, right. Mm. It's just that he kind of hates the fact that he's doing it sometimes, he seeks beginnings and then they just never materialized. You mentioned like when he's in the dark alley and then that's like where um, the one woman, um, I wasn't sure like Lucy, um, she's like, there's some sort of interaction between Lucy and like some guy and the guy like end up walking away and she's like bawling. And like, there's this like page and a half where like um, Antoine is kind of like aware that something should happen, that he should be there. And like, you know, in case Mm. not, not impose himself, but like be there in case she needs something. But, like, it all, like, so this is, like, almost a textbook beginning of a story, right? Like, or of an arc, at least, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a girl <laughs> that he knows is, like, you know, just, you know, um, I don't know what the exact social situation was, but, like, she's, like, bawling in front of him, just by coincidence. She,
1: she's some sort and, of maid at his apartment, right? Yeah, yeah. Some work. Some yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly what her role was, but, like, basically at the very end of, like, this passage of, like, kind of, like, internal thoughts, he simply says he walks away and even before before that as well like his conversation at least in my version it talks about like um, the idea of suffering like what what is the purpose of suffering Mm. Um, and like the way he kind of addresses the situation I found very bizarre like he kind of at first you know he recognized like maybe I should be over there and maybe not like you know comfort her but like give her the option to be comforted you know if she needs Mm. it but then by the end um (laughs) He he goes. Um, he's like kind of just like starts internalized, like just thinking to himself about like what what the situation amounts to, and he's like, um, no, it isn't from herself that she is drawing the strength to suffer so much. <laughs> it is coming to her from outside, from this boulevard. And He kind of just starts thinking about like it seems very unnatural the way he, like he's kind of addressing this situation, right? Like he's almost just. Determining like the origins of these things instead of like living, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and that that shows like his emphasis once again on setting. I mean, yeah. just just the idea of that you know passivity in that sense, where it's like okay, ultimately like the scene will dictate behavior and will dictate narrative, right? Like, yeah, he dictate w- narrative rather yeah, he, than he behavior. Wants, yeah, so. yeah, he
2: wants this to be like a thing that can be clearly, I mean, not only the scene, but foreseen almost, right?
1: Mm.
2: Like, I don't know. The the scene with in the darkness, that was like a very bizarre scene to me. I was just curious your thoughts on that. I uh, wasn't
1: sure what to make of it until like later in the book. I kind of thought back and I'm like, I honestly, I didn't reread it. So it would be interesting to reread that scene. Um, (laughs) I did reread it. It was so
2: bizarre to me because like the second, basically it ends with, I turn my back to her. After all, she is lucky. I, for my part, have um, been much too calm these last three years. I can receive nothing more from these tragic solitudes except a little empty purity. I walk away. <laughs> like mm. that is like I think you can parse out like that kind of paragraph and like endlessly in terms of like what it represents for his psychology. And yeah, he,
1: he he's definitely jealous of the fact that she's going through some sort of narrative there. I mean yeah. if, he, if, he, if yeah. he's jealous of the but, suffering there, I mean he wants something, you know, yeah. he wants he wants there to be <laughs> some arc to. His daily routine. I mean, I mean, it's it's clear he lives like a listless life. Yeah, I mean, very. I, mean I mean, Giffen, you saw. Actually, you wouldn't know this because the end of Sunday, but he's like, um, I mean, most people it gets their day off, right? It's like mm-hmm. their one day off every week. Yeah, and there's some regularity to that for like the general population. Like he says, it's their day, not mine. Yeah. You know, so because day, you know, Monday bleeds into Tuesday and Sunday bleeds into Monday. So and it's like there's like a general listlessness to his life as well that he he envies in others. um,
2: Even suffering seems
0: like a benefit. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This this guy this guy almost seems like you know I don't know we'll probably learn more about his past. In the second part of the book, but this, this almost seems like a guy who kind of um, took a risk and got burned and he's never been able to recover from that. And he lives his life in a very risk averse way.
2: Mm.
0: I, I don't know. He strikes me as someone who like, he almost strikes me as someone who like took a chance on something one time and it just sort of, like, weakened him for it,
2: you know? Yeah, he was resolved to never let that happen again, despite, like, the yeah. merit that could have been earned.
1: Right? It's, it's, it's hard to know, though, right? Because, like, I'm, I just, when you were talking about that, like, I recall, like, the beginning of the story, please remind me of details, because I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get them wrong. But, I mean, he's offered, after, like, five years abroad of, like, exploration, he's offered to take another trip but then like something just changes in his mind. He suddenly yeah. like gains the sense of autonomy where he just says no. Mm. And and it's, it's, he didn't say no because he didn't want to go, but it was almost like he recognized that he had been operating in autopilot yeah. for five years. And it was like the power to say no, he seized upon mm-hmm. him. So it's like, yeah. I, I just can't tell if, like he tries to seize upon these moments of like seeming autonomy that he has and generally he operates on this, this autopilot. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I, maybe it's not even specific to him. Maybe I'm just thinking about it through like, you know, just my yeah. own lens of like, yeah. I, I could see someone, I could see someone who like obviously, you know, just like went through something traumatic or whatever, and it just makes them permanently recoil in a really unhealthy way yeah no i
2: i think that's an and, and to, like, way to try to bring the,
0: to our experiences this guy's yeah. kind of attitude yeah yeah no because it's like he i mean just i don't know why i was thinking about that but the reason why i thought it was like germane to this is he he just shows that like you know if you're in that sort of a situation the over recoiling or like the permanent recoiling is like a very isolating experience. Like it's not a happy one, you know, to overcorrect in that direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can agree with that. Yeah. Because it also struck me that like this guy clearly has loneliness issues also. Like he doesn't have healthy relationships in this way that he's always sort of like, you get the sense that he never allows himself to be vulnerable in front of anyone, no. you know? Yeah. You get, I don't know. You get this sense that he's very sort of, you know, standoffish, like very viewing people as he actually says this at some point, he's almost elevated objects to the point of people. He talks about that. He says, most people view objects as sort of things to be you know, interacted with, but he sees them on even a higher plane than that. And it's really strange that he's almost like, instead of degrading people, he's like elevated objects. It's very strange.
1: And he definitely degrades people though. I mean, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely very misanthropic. I mean, think of like, I mean, there's so many scenes you could draw upon, but (laughs) one that just came to mind for me was... um, recall when he's sitting in the bar this is his first bar scene um, Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the book when he requests that one song be played and you know whoever the bartender was or not not even the bartender because that was the blonde it was like the waitress it was the waitress yeah she said well let me check with the other table and those were the guys who were playing cards yeah Mm -hmm. and remember like he describes the one guy playing cards with just like Just like with a hideous mouth with like crooked like decaying teeth giving him like a wicked grin as he just like drops cards down with like a gnarled hand and it's just like the way he viewed probably some seemingly regular guy as just almost like a demon you know what i mean like but that's like every character that he begins to describe you know it's they're they're never described like positively But in That's some very cases, true. actually, but mostly very, very negative. Yep. 90% so... of the
2: time, it's just kind of like him just re- allowing himself to be
0: disgusted by everything he's observing, and he continues observing. Did you guys find it dizzying or disorienting, like the level to which things were described? I, I found that very... It was, it, it was almost sort of tiring to the point where I became disoriented in the text almost. Um, See? no I'm just saying like in general throughout um, there were so many things you know he he would just like you know this is just a dumb example but he, he, he remarked you know he was kind of walking the streets and he saw this family leaving the house and he you know witnessed like the man locked the door and he even pondered to himself how the house would remain unlit until they returned and it's just like he's like there's just so many things that he's thinking about and, like focusing on it was just like he, he was like just hyper like chattery to himself almost. Yeah. No, I I
2: probably avoided some of like the discomfort of reading like so much descriptive work because I've read it like in small bursts mm. most of the time. Um, But like today I was reading, you know, a little bit more. And there was a point where I was kind of like in the middle of a paragraph and like was looking back at the paragraph I had just read in four and I was like, he's literally <laughs> just describing like his son, like everything possibly to be seen on a Sunday. Yeah
1: i don't i don't know though because i i think maybe it would be better read like in shorter chunks thing because like i think like i don't know i i definitely it was definitely it got across to me like his mindset but not like in an not like a grating way you know what i mean because the thing is like for me it was clear that he was trying to capture moments like like, like a big theme is like the mm-hmm. impermeability or that's the wrong, that's the wrong word. Impermanence. impermanence. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. <laughs> the impermanence of, of just like time itself or like our moments themselves. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, as yeah. one moment is always just kind of like transforming into another moment there. Yeah. And the, the necessary like, death. It, and it's in a sense, like he's doing this for himself, but he's capturing like individual moments where it's like, you can almost, I mean, like if you, sit with it for a while and just like visualize the scene that he's putting together. Um, I mean, it must've been brutal for you. Cause like the pace you were reading this morning was brutal. I saw you were like, you're like, okay, I'm like 40 pages in and like an hour later, you're, like I'm 70 pages. in. I'm like, if you're reading like 30 pages, like an hour or like every hour and a half, like, yeah, you, it's like a machine reading this yeah, so like, I wasn't yeah, disgusted by
2: the descriptive but I did um, notice it
0: well I said disoriented not disgusted <laughs> there's, there's a fair
2: difference there You're, you it
0: did say really... disoriented my apologies
1: there was well, revulsion it... within me so,
0: so, so I don't I, so maybe it's interesting that we had different reading experiences because that actually made me think of perhaps um, substance assisted moments of hyper sort of awareness or like hyper perspicacity to the point where it is actually dizzying. And if you've had those moments, whether on Earl gray tea or not, um, you, you know, I like, have to avoid those, I think on my Earl gray, i like, you know, like sober moments too, where it's like, I don't, there's just like this very focus in the wrong context can become extremely uncomfortable to the point where it's like almost like jolting um i don't know like have you i've definitely had those experiences no definitely okay um because this just made me think of those times where you almost like just can't turn it off you know
1: i think like this is like his like way of living too yeah Sense like it's you know it's almost like when he's talking or communicating with someone, he's telling at that point. He's like either living or telling and living for him is just like observing the world and just taking in as much as possible on everything that he's witnessing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, to the
2: point and, where and, at yeah. moments, I'm oh, sorry, I was going to mention, because like there are moments where he kind of just like, because he's so hyper observant and that there are some like patterns, he will just like observe the fact that he can correctly observe what is going to happen. like that is like the degree to which it happens you know like there's he's like out looking out his window and observing some old woman he's like this is exactly what is going to happen and then he kind of observed the fact that he knows what's going to happen yeah and it's just like i think he actually has just been for like five or whatever years just been in a state that cannot be turned off of hyper focus i mean that's exhausting like you know the less hyperbolic version would just be kind of like you're caffeinated and kind of exhausted when you're finished with your what you're doing but the caffeine is still kind of in you, so mm-hmm. you're still kind of like like you can't just wind down and go to sleep you're wired That's, that that mm-hmm. would be like the example but this guy kind of has like some <laughs> long term case of this where yeah. every yeah. moment is just constant analysis and just like the exhaustion is just still there lingering with him he definitely
1: doesn't like when anyone communicates with them because he has to narrow his focus at that point yeah like it's i mean it's like he's able to you know, in the parade of people downtown, he's able to kind of like witness all these scenes in a sense, versus individuals in the crowd are like holding like these individual conversations where they're, they're not witnessing the larger spectacle.
0: Mm.
1: And um, yeah, I, I, think, I think he does take a certain pride in that as well, and definitely elevates himself above others because of that. I mean, the way he describes others is like you know they experience life like in this narrow sense where, you know, they're they're just not seeing the bigger picture of what he's seeing in a lot of senses.
0: So yeah, yeah. How, like it it kind of makes me think this goes back to your man of action comments, but like how <laughs> like um, whenever I if I don't do things often enough, I do kind of get a little unhinged. Like I, I need to, if I spend too much time just like merely thinking and not doing, I, I kind of do get a little bit crazy. Um, like you, I don't, I'm, I'm just curious, like what you, you guys think about your own like balances, but I, I know if I like live too much in my head, I kind of go a little bit crazy. Like I have to be a body as well as a mind, you know?
1: Yeah, I definitely get that. Um, but I think I have like a higher tolerance for you than like doing nothing, you know? And I mean yes. like to the point yeah. of like just existing yeah. rather than like, you know, constantly doing stuff. Like I, I can, you know, just exist for a longer period of time before I get like that anxious feeling of mm-hmm. like, gotta get something done.
2: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think my tolerance is extraordinarily low. Even if like what I'm doing isn't <laughs> particularly productive, I'll just sit there and just like try to find something to do. Even if it's something like really minute, like I'm just like aggravated that I'm not finding a YouTube video that strikes my fancy or something like that. But I can't just like sit and just kind of exist like you're describing. So you, you'll, but, never,
1: you'll never just sit on the couch and just kind of like quite literally just like stare forward and just like yeah. think about things?
2: No, I, I, I have a very low tolerance for that. I mean, like there are like low moments there, but like there are times when I'm like contemplating things, but literally not just sit there and like kind of stare at the wall.
1: I have definitely done that, like many and many a time. Just because oh, I, mean, I know and, I've and, done it. it. it it's and, just and it's not even like it's not even like all like wrapped up in contemplation. It's more so like kind of goes back to like the memories thing because hmm. like I'll dip into <laughs> memories all the time.
2: I won't. So, those those are all locked.
1: <laughs> the door has I'd, been barred you, I have to be
2: generous a, to myself to allow myself the key that, That's a DLC content <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be 40 bucks <laughs> To unlock your own past
0: experiences I have Like punk And frequent But sh- but short Experiences of that um, And that probably stems from I've like fallen out of it recently But like I have i I will have months where I'll be like daily meditating, and when I do that, um I do very much have like my day will be punctuated and like perforated with moments of you know anywhere from five to sixty seconds of that just like raw contemplation or like raw experiencing. Mm-hmm. And funnily enough, hmm. That actually, like, I don't know. (laughs) For me, it's actually weird. Where when things are in balance, that tends to happen more. I'm having a really hard time like phrasing this. Like, I know what I mean experientially. It's like whenever I kind of feel like my motor is tuned correctly, like I'm living, and like eh, eh, the the more I feel like my second order desires are being expressed you know what i mean like and not my first order ones then like those moments almost seem to like crop up more because it's just like i don't know it almost feels like there's clarity to be had but when things are misfiring it seems like that's even out of reach i don't know how else to describe it
1: i'm definitely the opposite like Hmm. when when things are worse i'm like less of like uh I'm like even less productive or like mindful or mindful than I should be. I, I'm like, like, I'll like, um, like I'll just like dip into memories if like things aren't going as well. Really? Right. Yeah. 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 So like, so like, that's probably like a coping mechanism of mine where it's like, you know, I'm like less present. So, so maybe even as it is, it, it isn't even like, you know, of just like, being present that i'm describing it's more of just like dipping into memories so maybe it's a little bit different yeah Yeah, it seems like it might yeah
0: yeah that's interesting i've because there's like a different type of thing that like whenever i've had some like bad experiences where it's like kind of overwhelmingly bad i'll i'll probably seem to engage in that sort of like contemplative behavior but it's actually the opposite in like a horrid way because it's just like
1: paralysis
0: yeah but but it's like paralysis without content almost like it's horrible like i i don't think until recently i experienced like nausea of a certain form where he almost paints it as being like contentless like you can't even have like anxiety about something. It's just like general anxiety. Yeah. And I think for like the vast majority of my life, I've been extremely blind to that. Like I've never, that doesn't really, that's not really a thing for me. Like I've been anxious about things all the time, but never like that kind of nausea feeling that he was describing. Yeah, I think I'm the same way.
2: Because likewise, when I mentioned, I don't know to what extent I, no. um, you know, well, not necessarily sympathize, but could um, project myself onto. Like that feeling of nausea in particular that he feels, Antoine, like I don't know that I feel. But I I'm not 100% sure so if do I you think it you've... at all. Real- so ever? Well, it, it, this will depend very highly on how we kind of characterize it. But, like, you know, Parts of it, it seems like certain attributes of it, yes. Mm. Um, but exactly what um, you were describing, like I, it's hard to say exactly. Mm. You know, I—I I mean, there are probably mo- there are certainly moments where I was feeling anxiety and couldn't pinpoint the origin of it. Um, but that you know, especially if you were younger, that just because you are less articulate. Mm. Um, but you know, mo- most of the time when I'm feeling kind of anxious, or well, this is the example you gave, but like I can usually it's probably very presently obvious what it, the origin is. Hmm. So contentless anxiety is kind of like what you were you're asking about. It's yeah. like you as like your
1: mind's been just like frozen
0: in a sense. Yeah. I honestly don't <clears throat> hard for me to say it's hard for me to say that i never experienced it but i think for a very long time in my life i had maybe never experienced it
2: yeah i i honestly i'll have to reflect on it um Mm. a rare occurrence for me
0: (laughs) (laughs) um because i am curious if i have in the same way you describe it yeah it's honestly like it's I find it extremely disturbing. Like it's a very, very uncomfortable. Like I, I could honestly imagine that it would be less uncomfortable for some people, but for whatever reason, like, I don't know. I, yeah. Like I said, it, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting. It's almost like, I don't think I was ever the type of person where you're almost like, you know, sort of like the background setting on your TV or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like if, like the current channel. Is, yeah, it's like what level? Okay, like so you know there's kind of something playing, and like okay, you turn that thing off, but the TV's not off. Okay, what is what's on the screen then? Do you know what I mean? Like that channel hmm. has been turned off, but the TV's still on. And um, and my like default setting, like my idle, was not really and like still usually isn't but like i now know what he's talking about that like very uncomfortable idle situation
1: yeah i definitely know what you're talking about so yeah. I've, I've certainly experienced that so. it's
0: horrible actually it's like no, very I mean, it's, it's horrible terrible. It's terrible. yeah um
1: it's almost like just like the raw feeling like that's yeah, it. Like yes, like yes, like, yeah, with like very little else, so. yes,
0: yes, which yeah. like the rawness of it is part of the very perturbing part, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't Are we know missing any scenes, I was gonna say, do we need to do we really need to talk about, I feel like we could finish off the narrative once like you know, the whole narrative is finished. Sure. Yeah. I mean, so, so just for listeners. So I guess we're wrapping up at this point and um, we probably went long enough to the point where I'll make this a part one. It might depend on how long part two itself is also. Um, But we're getting to the point where Adam and I have just read about it. Giffen is about to read about it, but he is contacted by Annie, um, who seems to be sort of an old and perhaps only love of his. Um, so we'll pick up there, uh, next time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Plato's Cave. Um, I always enjoy discussing topics with, uh, with these two guys. So if you want to, um, support the show in any way, you can do so simply by sharing it. Uh, I'm hoping to get this show out to more people. Uh, And so if you want to share it on Twitter or social media, that would really help me. Uh, You can also rate it on Apple podcasts, Uh, like this video. If you're watching on YouTube or subscribe uh, via Apple podcasts or an RSS feed, Uh, you can also discuss it on your own show and link back uh, to my website, or you can connect me uh, with recommended guests or topics to cover. Uh, You can get in contact with me at Plato's cave podcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at jordan underscore c underscore myers and i now have a website for my philosophy endeavors at jordanmyers.org if you want to know a little bit more about me and my fellow co-hosts as i said in the introduction i'm a master's student in philosophy at the university of houston i did my undergrad at the university of pittsburgh where i studied mechanical engineering and philosophy and now that i'm back at school I'm hoping to more closely study uh, moral responsibility, free will, ethics, epistemology, and moral psychology. Those are topics that I was uh, introduced to and got really interested in in my undergrad work. So, uh, Adam and Giffen accompanied me on this show, and Adam is uh, one of my oldest friends. We actually met in kindergarten um, and we've been interested in philosophical topics for as long as we can remember and in a lot of ways it's been the basis of our friendship. Uh, Adam studied chemistry and biology at Cornell and he is currently working at a law firm. Um, and He's especially interested in moral responsibility as well, but also law, religion, and free will. Uh, Giffen is also one of my oldest friends and Uh, We've been friends since elementary school as well. Um, Giffen studied biology and economics at RPI, and now he works in human health research. Uh, He believes that there's very interesting overlap between both of his fields of study and philosophy, and he's particularly interested in exploring political philosophy. So this series was right up his alley. Um, And with, uh, with all of that information... Again, I hope that you enjoyed uh, this episode and I hope that you get in contact with me or or follow my work in any way that you uh, deem reasonable to do. So with that, thank you for listening.